Well, if you needed a reason to send your kids to Children's Church, now you know they're learning all about God's Word. You've been, you know, just excited and energized. Here, let's give them a moment of time. That's a tough act to follow. I, I, if, if, you, if you already feel blessed and you're ready to go to lunch, I mean, that being said, I, I do intend to share God's Word with you this morning. So if you want to turn your Bibles to John chapter... 21. Uh, in the Harvest Series, and, and you know what? I skipped right over it, didn't I, Barrett? I just got up here. We were supposed to do the little video, but we're going to just jump over that today. So, um, yeah. John chapter 21. In the Harvest theme and everything we've been working on, last week we talked about planting. Now, something that happens when you plant a seed in the soil is, is that a, a lot of cool things will take place after you plant it. But there's something that has to be done systematically, regularly, and according to the necessity of that specific seed, it needs to be watered, doesn't it? In order to water a seed, you know, you have to continually, consistently consider the moisture content in the soil and, and all the things that are happening, and so you have to be kind of with it, don't you? You know, if you're like me, you plant something and you think magically later it'll just grow, or you do the opposite and you water it until it drowns. There is no in-between with me. My wife will tell you we had beautiful tomatoes one year until I got a hold of them and I just watered them until they died. Um, that being said, we're going to talk about watering today. And so as, as you find John chapter 21 and you get to verse number 15, if you would stand in honor of God's word. Just a few short verses here. A profound lesson in scripture. Jesus, after his resurrection, has, has a teaching moment with his with his his disciple, and he has this, this deep conversation. Let's read it together. It says, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that when we come to scripture, we are reminded the importance of our continual work. Lord, knowing our love for you is real. But the outward expression of that ought be to care for others, ought be to water the relationships, to, to feed the, the sheep of, of your pasture, Lord. We ask that you would allow us, Lord, in this place to be actively pursuing a harvest that starts long before the plant grows into the lives of other people, knowing that the season is coming when they will, they will take root, they will grow, Lord, that they will believe and they will accept you. I pray that we will be a part of this, Lord, that this great illustration would, would take root in us, that we would see our role in the works there. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I've studied this passage for years, and it was probably the focal point of a, a great many of my efforts early on in my studies, all the way back to my first year in, in undergrad. And there's lots of interesting things about the language of this passage. The word love here appears um, in two different forms. 
The word be here appears a couple different ways. There's lots of stuff to unpack with you this morning. Uh, we get right into it and we see this picture that Jesus has, has done. And if you were with us back in the spring, we heard a passage beginning of this chapter where Jesus is encouraging them to, to, to fish when he instructs them and where he instructs them to fish. And when Simon realizes, when Peter realizes what's happening, he dives out of the boat and he comes to Jesus on shore. And this is the conversation that takes place after that. And they're sitting there and Jesus does this thing where he asks a question. He's aware of the answer. That's going to be your first, your first bit of note taking this morning. Point number one is Jesus asks an answer that he's aware of the he asks a question he's aware of the answer of it. There's something here for us when we consider the importance of what Jesus asks. Okay? Because if you think for one moment that our Creator doesn't know absolutely everything there is to know about us, then you have missed the story altogether. He knows us better than anyone else. He knows you. I love it because all the times in Scripture when you see it, you see him talking to people by name, and it's powerful to me. He talks to us by name. He knows us so intimately, so powerfully. You know, there's a question that is posed at the end of the note-taking. He says, will you water? And, and this question, he asks him this is a simple question. He says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? If you were having a conversation with Jesus this morning, and he was to lean in and ask you anything, and he asked you that. I think that would be a little unnerving. It would be a little unraveling, wouldn't it? You know, for, for weeks and weeks and weeks as I stand up here to preach, and as I, as I promote to you the importance of clinging to Jesus and holding on to Jesus and reaching out to hold on to Jesus in all manner of life and all situations, we would hope and one would believe that, that if we begin to really measure out everything that Jesus has done, that we love him. That it should be evident in our language, in our actions, in our behavior, in our prayers, in our worship, and all the things. And if that is true, and he asks him this question, he leans in and has this real personal moment. He says, do you love me more than these? I don't think quantitatively what he's asking him is if he loves them comparatively more than others love him. He's saying, do you love me more than anyone else? Do you put me at the right part of the, of the relationship and in our life? And there's this beautiful answer. He said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Now, if you were to study the language and unpack this, you're going to understand something real simple here. Jesus asked him profoundly in the language, and it's a pure word uh, that means love, and it's like this picture of God's love for us. It's unconditional love. Jesus says, do you love me unconditionally? And when Peter responds... He responds to him, and his response is something real, real basic, rudimentary. It's like, I love you, man. Like a brother. And I think that, you know, sometimes when guys are having this question, and this is kind of a weird conversation for most guys in this room to talk to another guy, and be like, I love you, man. But in church, man, that becomes real commonplace, and I hope that you can embrace that, where you're like, no, really, I care about you to a level that I'm not sure was even possible until I came to know Jesus. But Jesus is asking him a hard question. He's like, do you love me unconditionally? And he's saying, I love you, man. You know, kind of the, when guys hug, it's the, the, the real quick thing and then the out because they don't want anybody to get the wrong impression. 
Let's have another conversation feel here. I love you, man. Is that enough for Jesus? I mean, what happens here in, in the response, point number two, our response to Jesus must be honest. Some of us are in that place with our, with our relationship with God Almighty and with Jesus where we're like, man, I really love what he's done for me. I don't know how deep into this relationship I really am with him. I'm not sure how much I am uh, into this relationship. I hear people talk about it sometimes. And they're like, man, I, I've had a toe in the water. Well, I like what's happening, and I see this, and I see the value in it. Man, it really is cool when the kids get up on stage, and I really like this stuff. But we're not really, really sure we're deep into this. Like, do you like me like me kind of a thing? Oh, come on, some of you. Some of you snickered. But some of you in this room never got the note from someone that said, do you like me like me? Okay, so I get it. Some of you are still hurt, I understand. There's this picture here. Where he's, he just asks him a hard question. And the response is real basic. Our response to Jesus must be honest. He, he, he wants to know, will you, will you indeed? Will you indeed take care of this? This, this picture of the, the responsibility that comes in a relationship with me. And there's this, there's this thing. Because immediately Jesus gives in, in the comment. He says, feed my lambs. The word feed appears two different ways. I mean, it's really peculiar in this that it's like this, this first picture. This literally means feed and the word lamb here. And you've got lamb, you got sheep, and you're like, why are these, these nuanced changes? And I suggest to you it's because he's covering a wide swath. Literally the lambs or the little lambs. He's like, care for the little ones. Feed them. And you know that's important. We know that's important. I oftentimes talk to people about relationships and whenever they come to me and they say things like, we want to get married, Brother Ben. I'll say, all right, let's sit down and let's talk about it. And then we'll draw this circle on this piece of paper and I'll say, at the beginning of your life, you were completely dependent on somebody else. You could not feed yourself. You could not change yourself. You could not provide for yourself. You could not shelter yourself. Completely dependent on somebody else. That's this first little corner of the circle. And if you're raised in a home where you're given skills and abilities, you're trained to provide, trained to make your own macaroni and cheese and peanut butter and jelly, you're trained to mow the lawn, and you're trained to go work, and you're trained to do all these things, you eventually might gain a little bit of independence in that, that, that next arc. I would tell people when they come to me and they say, you want to get married? I'll say, can you stand on your own? They're like, what do you mean, can I stand on my own? Are you capable of doing the necessity, the things of moving out of your parents' house and, and, and taking care of yourself. You're like, what does that have to do with anything? Well, trust me, when you move out of your parents' house and you move in with somebody else that also cannot make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you are going to have a hard time. We are the generation that sees the boomerang kids, right? And we get it. It's hard, it's expensive in this world we live in. But that bit of independence that comes, Jesus is talking about the little ones. He's like, when they first come into this picture, they're going to be dependent. He's like, you're going to have to feed them. And the question is, will you water? Will you feed this generation? And he's like, that's, that's a command, by the way. For taking notes. Point number three, Jesus' expectation of us is to follow his command. Will you water? Yes, I'll water. And now... His command is water. Feed them. 
You know, it's important when we come to church that we make sure our kids get to learn something about Jesus. They get to, to hear something about the scriptures. They get to learn about the Old Testament. Man, the Ten Commandments is foundational. You realize how important it is for these kids that came up in here and told you the Ten Commandments back and now they know them? You know how important that is? You realize that our entire legal system in Western civilization is based 100% on those rules. Don't let them lie to you. Don't let them tell you something. Don't let them rewrite history. You used to go to the courthouses. It used to be the commandments. You used to go in and you could still see the caricatures of Moses and the tablets. You used to see these ornate carvings all over the place. In the, the halls of law, they'd say, where is your foundation for learning? All these legal matters. The Bible gives us a moral code that no one else seems to have. We need to feed the lambs. That doesn't break the conversation. That's not like a one thing, you know. This is kind of like we learn as parents real valuable information here. You ever watch a kid's show and you're like, why is it so repetitive? I remember our, 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 our baby doctor with our first child says, we were talking about this, said, you have to repeat things to kids about three times before they really start to get it. I said, man, that makes so much more sense why every kid's show is three more times, three times. And repeat everything, repeat everything, repeat everything. And I tell people all the time at church, repetition is the benchmark of learning. As, a, as my kids are no longer little bitty, they still hear me. I'll repeat things, repeat things, repeat things, repeat things, repeat things. And they're like, are you going to stop saying it? i when you start doing it. <laughs> you're going to ask Brother Ben the same question. Are you going to stop preaching about that when you start doing it? <laughs> we, we see this picture here where it's like, he just goes right in. He says to him again, the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Exact same phrasing. This, this unconditional love is the, the word he's using. Peter's response is very similar. It says to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And it's this, hey, man, I love you. And, and you begin to realize and it begins to settle in that Jesus is in one place and Peter is giving him as much as he has to give. And you know what's powerful about that is, is that God will use that. If you will give God what you have to give him, he will use that. You're going to see that this beautiful transformation, I believe, that will happen in the next couple of verses. But if he gives him another command, he says, tend my sheep. Now this is interesting because in some of the translations, it just says feed all three times. And feed would not be completely out of the bounds of, if you're going to get real fancy with the language here, the semantical range of the word. But really, the word is different here. It kind of is like pasture, my sheep. And in this culture, we understand what it means. We're going we're to pasture these animals. We're going to put them out so they can graze and they can roam. They have a little place to, to grow. They're not in a pen anymore. They're growing up on us. We need to spread them out. And there's a picture of this evolution. I know that word's a dangerous word in church. I believe in microevolution for certain. You know, there have been changes over time. We've seen it, but small ones. And we see this picture here. And don't go back and tell people that, you know, I'm a creationist. And don't go back and tell people, oh, the man said evolution. Trust me, seven days I believe God created it all. But I think we can have a deeper conversation later. If you have questions about what I just said, please come and ask. Don't run to the internet and say something that you don't completely understand about me. Amen? Amen? That being said, we see this picture. We see this picture of this transformation over time where he's saying, feed them, and he's kind of talking about the little ones. And now he says, 
pasture them, and he's talking about these sheep, and it's just this picture of, of the of the creature that is kind of grouped into this word here. But there's this this evolution of as things become mature in their growth, they're going to have to give them a little different care. And he's telling them it's important for us to continue to care for them even as they age. And there's this beautiful, beautiful scene here. I, I don't know about you, but when we think this way, we begin to think about the parallels of what's happening in the church. It's important for churches to have something for all the different age groups. It's important for church to have something for the young ones, but also for the senior adults. You know, for, for far too often, you hear a pulpit, the sanctity of human life is proclaimed, but we oftentimes neglect at the other end of the spectrum. And I think if the sanctity of human life is real at the beginning of life, it's real at the end of life. And you see this picture where he's talking about this tending of sheep. And we just see this picture of this continual planting in prepared soil has to be watered over time. It has to be tended over time. It has to be managed over time. And if it's not, then we have to ask ourselves this question. Could we answer Jesus with a, you know that I love you? And it's hard. It's hard in church because it's a lot of Sundays and there's a lot of things going on. We are in the midst of wrapping up a very busy season here. I, we have with the staff and with people who have asked me, this last couple of weeks have been tremendous, but man, we, we, are, we are looking forward to kind of a slower calendar for a minute after this. We've been calling it Reach-tober, you know, Reach Disciple and Send. We are reaching out. Did you know reaching into your community sometimes makes you uncomfortable? Reaching out past your comfort zone to reach into other people's lives to help them and minister to them. There's this beautiful... Beautiful picture of tending sheep that then it dovetails right into the picture of us being a part of our community in a way where we are reaching past the boundaries of buildings we have so long stayed in. Outside of the building and into the community. Reach. We see this picture. Jesus immediately hits him with the third question. Do you think the question is going to be the same? It's not. It looks like the same, but it's not the same. He says to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And right about this time, you're like, we've heard this before already, haven't we? But he changes the language completely. And in the, in the context of, of Peter's hearing, he would have heard this third time a different word. Because he shifts gears, Jesus shifts gears. And he goes from that unconditional love to you, to the same word that, that Simon's been using. Do you really love me like a brother? Do you love me, man? And this breaks Peter. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And what I have always assumed about this passage or ascertained in my study and dug in to see if it was true was, is this picture about all this debate, about all the things that this means. And you know, ultimately, what I've distilled it down to mean and understand is this. When you can't give God that unconditional bit that He can give you, He'll take what you have to give and He'll meet you where you are so that your relationship with Him will be right. And He, he comes to Peter where Peter is. He doesn't ask Peter to be something other than He is. He asks for Peter's honest answer. Peter gives it to him, and then Jesus meets him right where He is. 
And I believe that you need to know that this morning that Jesus meets us right where we are. And he is asking for us to change over time and to tend and to feed. But he knows that he first has to meet us so that we can have this right relationship. You see, Jesus, he is, he is perfect and he is moving us towards perfection. But man, he hasn't found a perfect one yet. If he had found a perfect one, we might as well close the doors because he probably spent all of his time there. But he has not found a perfect one. What he has found is a bunch of imperfect ones and he has gathered them up and he is perfecting them over time. And you won't be perfected until you get to heaven, so keep working, keep feeding, keep tending. Peter's grieved because Jesus has come to him at his level. And he says to him, Lord, you know all things. You know me to the core. What is the thing in this place that you would never say in front of anyone else because you're afraid of their judgment or the shame that you might feel or the, the reproach you might gain in the eyes of others who don't have a problem with the thing that you have a problem with? What is that thing that you would never say here? Jesus knows about it. He knows about it and Peter is testifying. You know all things. You know how much I have to give you. And then he says it. He says it. You know that I love you. And it's just this same response Peter gives him what he has to give him. And Jesus just rolls out this beautiful command. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Point number four is instruction from Jesus and obedience toward is it heaven right? To water. No, excuse me. Toward Jesus is the goal. Water, water, water. We see this picture. It popped up on the screen. It corrects all my mistakes. My handwriting is illegible. Ask Karen. She will tell you. And I write things down. And she's like, what does this say? <laughs> Even myself. I probably should put these glasses on. Instruction from Jesus and obedience toward Jesus is the goal. And we see this picture of understanding the magnitude. Of getting instruction. We come to church not so that we can be reinforced in what we already believe, but that we might gain instruction on how we should behave and live. We come here so that we might bend our own will to obey him. Where this word of God differs from my opinion, I will change my opinion to match this word of God so that I might know that when I leave here, I am a better, more equipped waterer of the seeds that have been planted. That I might reach out into the community that we so love and live in, that we are a part of, and we might reach past our comfort zone to water a place it's desperately dry. You see, every time we plant and every time we discuss and every time we do with prepared soil, if we don't water it, we are lost. Jesus gives him back this picture here with this feed my sheep. He goes back to feeding and back to sheep. But I would suggest to you that the, the magnitude of his command is what? We're going to take care of the little ones. We're going to pasture them as they grow. And we're going to care for them and care for them and care for them and care for them until they're good grown, until they're capable of caring for themselves. You know, there's this moment in history, about 1956, a, a movie pops up on the, the screen. It's an animated film. You might have heard of it, The 101 Dalmatians, right? Well, in 1996, 7-ish, they, they created another movie, a live-action movie. You know what happened after that movie popped up? People thought that they could run out and buy a Dalmatian because, man, they look great, don't they? Beautiful dogs. The benchmark of firehouses across the nation, right? Do you know what happened in the months following that movie and after that wild box office success and all those people went out and bought Dalmatians and took them home? 
the pound spilled up the Dalmatian. The, the animal grows to be quite significant in size. It is eager for attention and needs to be worked vigorously, otherwise it becomes unruly and sometimes destructive in a home if it's not, if it's not worked properly, if it's not exercised regularly. And people began to feel like it was a nuisance to have one of these dogs in their home. And so pounds began to fill up with them. You say, brother man, what are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about the life of people in church. If you love them when they're a little bitty and they're precious, you want to bring them in. You got to love them when they're teenagers and when they're kind of hard to deal with. And you got to love them when they become adults and they have their own opinions and they talk back. And you got to love them when they get to be senior adults and they sure will tell you what to do. And you got to love them all the way to the end and you can't just take them back to the pound. You got to water, water, water. You got to feed, you got to tend, you got to feed, you got to take care of the lambs and the sheep. You got to do it all the way to the end. A harvest comes when you consistently, systematically understand the nature of planting and prepared soil and watering so that you see the harvest in due time and then being ready to do it all over again. We're not a Dalmatian church, are we? We're going to care for people. The beginning and the middle and the end, right? In a moment, we're going to stand and I'm going to invite you to come and grab an invitation. You can come and just ask Jesus how you can become a better waterer of the soil around you. You know, you listen to the rain on the, on the ceiling here and you know that God is watering the whole earth. We're supposed to water the souls. That's one of the ways we tell the world that we love Him. It's one of the ways we tell the world that we love Him as much as anything in the whole world. His standing order for us is to feed the sheep. Would you stand with me today? Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Lord God, we are grateful that in this place that we can hear, we can see, that we can embrace your teaching, that we know that you expect for us to feed and tend the sheep and the lambs of your flock as direct expression of our love for you. Lord, let it be so today. Let it be so tomorrow. Let it be so every day going forward. Let us cry out to you. Lord, because you know us right where we are. I ask during this time of invitation that each and every one might consider. They might consider giving to you the thing that you wouldn't tell anyone else because you already know about it. That they might become a better waterer. That some might be in this place needing to come to you for the very first time. But they would come. And they would cry out to you and they would ask you, Lord, to be part of the flock. I, come, I just want to cry out to you and ask for those of us that are already here that we're real good at watering sometimes. Lord, I pray that we would be consistent and that we would commit to that consistency. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.